Greetings, Crosspoint Church and friends. This is a proud day for me, standing beside me, and it's all right for me to hug you, Austin, because you're in my bubble, right? This is my grandson, Austin White. And uh, Austin, over the years, it's been my privilege to have my son preach in my pulpit, and your dad, my son-in-law, preach in my pulpit. But what a proud day to have you, my grandson, here preaching in my pulpit to my people at Cross Point Church. This is a proud day for me. I love you, Austin. Love you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Austin, what are you, Austin? 23? 23. 23, spent, just spent three years at Celebrate Church in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, right? And uh, new job starting tomorrow. You can tell us about that in a minute. And, but he's here, and you're kicking off our great Bible Stories uh, sermon series for the summer. And we're excited about you uh, being here. Let me pray for you before you bring the word. Father, we bless this young man in your name. Would you speak through him today? He will speak your truth, and you promised it would accomplish your purpose. I May it convince and convict and challenge and encourage and motivate and feed us today. Speak through Austin today, I pray. Speak to all of us who hear that we might hear not only with our ears, but with our minds engaged and our hearts engaged. And Father, we declare to you now, we will respond. And the truth that you reveal to us, we will obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, us. God bless you. Well, hey, for everybody joining us online, I want to say thank you so much, whether you're joining us from your living room, whether you're joining us from your summer home, wherever it is at, I want to say thank you so much. And like Pastor John said, I am his grandson. Don't hold it against me. (laughs) I told him I would say that, so don't worry. I'm not getting myself in trouble here. But in all seriousness, I am so thankful that he gave me this opportunity. He's my role model throughout my life, and to be able to stand on this stage in front of a church like you, in a city like this, it's a huge honor. I look up to your church so much, so much. And I think that it's a special privilege that I get to be here today to start off this brand new series called Great Bible Stories. So today we are gonna be diving into the story of Samson. So that's in Judges chapter 13 through 16. For all of you with your Bibles, you can flip open to that, or if you've got the iPhone app or the Android app for that, you can go there as well. Now, before I jump in, I'm going to share a couple things about myself. First and foremost, I need to say full disclosure, my grandfather from a very young age convinced me to be a Red Wings fan. I know this would be an appropriate time for all you NHL fans to boo, that's okay. For all of you Toronto Maple Leafs fans, pray for me. That's all I can say. So the second thing that you should know about me is that I am married to my beautiful wife, Jess. I think up on the screen, there's going to be a picture of us. We got married about three years ago before we went to South Dakota, and she is my best friend. She's the love of my life and my ministry partner. Now, you might not know this, but we are actually parents as well. You'll see a picture of my eldest pop up on the screen. Uh, Yep, that's him. Uh, (laughs) Now that I've lost all of uh, you dog lovers, uh, let's bring it back in. Don't click off the live stream. 
we're gonna keep on going. Now, third and the most important thing about me is that I am a Jesus guy. I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. He's changed my life, and I know for many of the people I'm talking to right now, he has changed your life as well. If that is you, just put an amen in the comment section. I believe that Jesus changes people. I don't. That God's word changes people, not me, and there is something powerful about his word, and that's why I'm thrilled to be with you here today. So Judges chapter 13 and 16 is our text for the day, and in the interest of time, as well as for the kids, I'm going to be reading kind of a paraphrase of Samson's story here today so that we can enjoy that together. So let's go ahead and jump on in. The story of Samson begins because the Israelites were once again getting into trouble. The Israelites just couldn't seem to stay out of trouble for very long. Even after God saved them from the Egyptians and helped them through the Red Sea, they still complained. Even when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments, these people started worshiping another God. Now, during all of this, the Israelites had been conquered by a group called the Philistines. This is where Samson comes in. God made it so that he would help free the Israelites from the Philistines. But here's what's wild, kids. Samson's mom couldn't have any children. But an angel of the Lord came to her and said this, you can't have any children now, but God is going to give you a son. You'll have a special son. He will take the vow of the Nazarites, which means he should never cut his hair, eat grapes, or touch a dead body. And most importantly, his purpose will be to save the Israelites from the Philistines. Now, as he grew up, he realized that he had a special gift. He was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly strong. Samson was so strong that he was able to kill a lion with his bare hands and defend himself against a thousand Philistines. That's how strong he was, and that was the strength that God had given him. But I guess you could say that Samson had a little bit of a problem. Samson liked girls a lot. And Samson not only liked girls, but he didn't like the Philistines. He didn't like the Philistines, and the Philistines didn't like Samson. So the Philistines realized that they needed some way, somehow, to defeat Samson. And they realized that his over-like for girls could be his undoing. One day they noticed that Samson had taken to like a little girl, or not a little girl, but a girl named Delilah. So the bad guys decided to go to Delilah and make a deal with her. The Philistines asked Delilah to betray Samson and find out his secret for 5,500 pieces of silver. This was about $5,000. So kids, to put that in perspective, you could buy over 1,200 bags of candy with the amount of money that the Philistines were offering Delilah. That is a ton of money. So Delilah was hooked. So Delilah made a nice meal for Samson and said, could you tell me the secret to your strength? And he said, anyone who ties me up with seven brand new bowstrings, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah sneaked off and told the Philistines. Then they asked her to tie him up when he slept. Delilah went home, tied up Samson, and the Philistines came over to take Samson away to prison. And right as they were sneaking up on him, Delilah yelled, Samson, the Philistines are here. Snap. Samson broke the bowstrings and he got away. Now, what do you think Samson would do at this point? You think that maybe he would break up with Delilah, but guess what he did? He didn't. Now, you'd think at this point he would break things off, but Delilah put her saddest face on and said, Samson, you lied to me. Tell me how you can be tied up. And guess what? 
Samson broke up with her. Nope. Samson told her. He told her his secret. But again, he lied about it. So what he said is he said, if you can tie me up with seven fresh ropes, with just a couple fresh ropes, then I will be as weak as any other man. Now again, the Philistines came and Delilah yelled, Samson, the Philistines are here. Then he woke up and snap, he broke free from the ropes and escaped again. Now at this point, after the second betrayal, you would think that they would break things off. Nope. Delilah said to him, how can you tell me you love me when you don't trust me with your thoughts and with your secrets? And here's what Samson did. He used the best relationship tool that anyone could use, the silent treatment. Parents, do you know anything about that? The silent treatment. The only problem was that Delilah wouldn't stop asking. She asked in the morning during breakfast, when they were up for a walk, at lunch, at supper, before bed. She asked all day long, and Samson just couldn't take it anymore. Finally, Samson said, enough already. I will tell you everything. Just leave me alone. My hair's never been cut. I had to take a certain vow when I was born and have been given this gift by God. If my head was shaved, I would become as weak as any other man. Delilah knew this was the truth, so as Samson was sleeping, she cut his hair, and he became weaker and weaker and weaker until he was as weak as anyone else. All of a sudden, Delilah shouted, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And as he woke up, he wasn't aware that the gift that God had given him had left. Let me say that again. Samson wasn't aware that his gift from God had left him. And the Philistines grabbed him, and this time Samson could do nothing to fight them off. So the Philistines had captured Samson, but God wasn't done with him yet. Let me say that again. God was not done with Samson. His hair began to grow again. God still had plans for him. Samson was all alone, but he had God with him. The Philistines were humiliating Samson, but God was about to use him for his best victory yet. And in, this, in the end, Samson Samson regained his strength before they could finish him off. They tied him up to two large pillars that held a large temple up, and he was able to break free. But when he did, the temple fell on him and a large number of Philistines. And here's the final verse of the story. Samson had a greater victory in his death than he had ever had in his life. Samson ended up breaking all of his vows. He didn't seem to take God's rules for him very seriously. But God still used Samson in the end to defeat the Philistines. The end. Let's pray. Father God, we believe that your word is powerful. We believe that when we read these stories and when we unpack the principles from these stories, that you're going to do something absolutely incredible. It says in your word that when we hear your truth, it does not come back void. So Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my words that impact people, but it would be you. So Lord, as we unpack this story, God, Help me to share your truth and help us to act on it. God, we love you so much. And pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all his people said, amen. Now we're gonna dive into Samson's life and why this story applies to us here in 2020, whether you're a kid, teen, parent, grandparent, single, whatever you are, I believe that God's word is applicable to you today. Now you see from this story that Samson wasn't perfect. He made his mistakes. And I think if we're all being honest, uh, none of us are perfect. Anybody can raise their hand online and say that they're perfect. Uh, Bueller, Bueller, 
Bueller, anyone? Okay, nobody. But husbands, this is the right time to start pointing to your wife, right? She's the perfect one. But hey, I'll, I'll let you off the hook today. But in all seriousness, we're all imperfect. We all have our setbacks. And for Samson, he had a life full of setbacks. He had a life full of struggles. And that's why for all of you note takers, I'm going to call this sermon, The Setbacks of Samson. Samson's setbacks. We're going to look at these three things. We're going to look at Samson's two setbacks that we can see in this story, but then we're going to look at one set up that God gave Samson and how God wants to set up each and every single one of us today. God wants to set us up for success, and I believe he has some truth for each and every single one of us in this passage. So here's the first thing. Don't get distracted. Say it with me. Don't get distracted. Chapter 16, verse 1 says this. Samson went to Gaza and he saw a woman there. Samson went to Gaza and he saw a woman. Here's what you need to know about Gaza. Gaza isn't where you're supposed to be. It's going downtown to Fredericton at 1 a.m. on a Saturday morning. You know that there is no reason to be there. It's like heading down to Las Vegas on a business trip. Samson was thinking, hey, what happens in Gaza stays in Gaza. He knew that he wasn't supposed to be there. But despite that, despite him knowing that as a man of God, he was called to be elsewhere, he was distracted. Now, in a lighter, more trivial way, how many of you can say that you're a little bit like me and a little bit forgetful. I'm the type of person that I forget my phone while I'm talking on the phone. Like there, there is no way that I can do that, but I forget my phone as I am talking on the phone and I start looking around for it everywhere. Is there anybody like that here today? Now, some of you might be a little bit like this. Just the other day, I walked into my house to grab something, got distracted by something else, left my house only to realize five minutes later that I had missed the entire point of me going back to my house in the first place. We're distracted. As human beings, that's just true of our condition. And sometimes we're distracted in more trivial ways, but the reality is this, that it's easy for us to get distracted in all the wrong ways as well. There's a great quote from a guy named Francis Chan. He says, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Let me say that again. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but at succeeding the things in life that don't really matter. It is so easy to get distracted. And let me encourage you, maybe your greatest accomplishments are on the other side of your distractions. Maybe God wants you here, but it is so easy to start looking over here. Samson was distracted, and because of that, he missed the purpose and the plans that God had for him. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says this, never get tired of doing what is right. When should you forget? Never. That is the truth for us today. Samson had a memory problem. He had an issue where he was getting distracted from the things that God had for him. Do not get distracted. Here's the second setback that we're going to look at today. Small compromises lead to big consequences. Small compromises lead to big consequences. We know that Samson got distracted, but the issue is that the distractions kept on happening. There's a great illustration of this. In 1999, NASA launched the Mars Climate 
orbiter. It cost them $190 million. Everything looked great. The launch was a success, but when it arrived to Mars, it crashed right into the planet and was totally destroyed. It was an epic failure. Why did it happen? One simple math error. Instead of converting their system from the metric system into the English imperial system, they made a crucial mistake where they did not transfer it over. Now, for me, where I'm terrible at math, that totally makes sense, but for these rocket scientists, this was a huge failure from one little tiny mistake, and the same was true for Samson. One small little compromise. In verse four of chapter 16, it says, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek. Do you wanna know what the valley of Sarek stands for? What Sarek stands for? Wait for it. It stands for bad news. That is what Sarek meant. Again, first Gaza, then second is the valley of Sarek. He had broken multiple rules. In the chapters, in chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, we see it again. These small little compromises are what undid Samson. I heard a story about something similar. Legend has it, out in the West, what the banks would do is they would hire these coach drivers to go through the mountains to carry their cargo. They posed this question when they were thinking about hiring them. They said, how close to a cliff's edge would you get without putting our freights in harm's way? Since the danger was not uncommon in their roots, one of the men bragged, saying, I can get within one foot of the edge. Another said, oh, well, what about one foot? I can get within half of a foot to the edge without destroying your cargo. But what the company did and what the bank did is they hired the person that said this, I have no idea how close I could get, but I would steer as far away from the edge as possible. As humans, isn't it so easy for us to live our life on the edge. Samson was a guy that liked to flirt with the scandalous. He liked to live life on the edge. And the reality is that no one wakes up in the morning and says, it's part of my five-year goal to be a bad person. No, that's ridiculous. But the truth is that people do wake up every morning and make small little bad decisions that over years and years and years lead to big consequences. How does the saying go? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Samson had his setbacks, but we serve a God that is full of setups. And if you forget every other part of this message, I hope that you remember this positive final point when it comes to the story of Samson. We explored his two setbacks, but what I want you to remember is this, that it is never too late. Say that with me. It's never too late. Late. Chapter 16, verse 29 and 30. It's my favorite portion of the story. Then Samson reached out to the two central pillars that held up the building and pushed against them, one with his right arm, the other with his left, saying, let me die with the Philistines. Samson pushed hard with all of his might, and the building came crashing down. And this is such a powerful statement. Samson had a greater victory in his death than he had ever had in his life. God didn't give up on Samson. He cried out to God, and it's never too late to change the path that you've been headed down. Even in his darkest hour, God was not done with Samson, and he is never done with you. 
He is never done with you. It's never too late to break the addiction. It's never too late to make a pivot in your life. It is never too late to get marriage counseling. It is never too late to give your life to Jesus if you've strayed away. It is never too late for God. We serve a God of the setup. Someone needs to hear this today. God doesn't give up on people as fast as we do sometimes. God's in the business of changing lives. God is in the business of changing lives. Can I get an amen from somebody in the comment section? Because I believe that our lives can be changed at any moment when we cry out to him and believe that he is a God, not of the setback, but he is a God of the set up and he is ready to do a work in your life today. So I wanna take the final couple moments that we have together and ask ourselves, how can we get nitty gritty with this? How can we apply this to our lives? But before we do that, I wanna tell you about my friend, Michael. Michael was a guy that in so many ways had a life similar, similar to Samson, a life that was full of brokenness. He was born into a broken family. From the age of eight years old, my friend Michael got into a gang. The reason that the gang wanted him was because he was able to do things that would totally fly under the radar of law enforcement. Because of that, he started when he was eight years old. He lived a life of crime in his 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, got divorced, alienated from his kids, but guess what? God wasn't done with my friend Michael. When he was in his 50s, Michael was on his way to commit another terrible crime, but God wasn't done with Michael. All that he remembers to this day is Michael was on his way, and all of a sudden, as he was on his way to do this crime, he was in front of a church building, and he had this just undeniable urge to go in there and he went into that building, he went to the front and he gave his life to Jesus for the very first time, his very first time in a church building and his life was changed forever. We have a God that wants to set you up. This man named Michael, a couple years later, now his name is Pastor Michael and he is the leader of the largest Celebrate Recovery in his region of the country. God is good and all the time he is good and that is the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus at work in his life and he can do that same work in yours. And here's the truth for you today. Whether you've been in a good, bad or somewhere in between season in your life, God wants to work in you. Today is your day. So here's the challenge. What area of your life can you change? And the truth is that we as Christians don't have a knowledge problem. For so many of us, it's we have an obedience problem. We know all the right things to do. We know the Bible stories, but today is the day that we move from information to application. So I wanna explore some ways that God can and will set you up. The first and foremost is this, Bible reading. Did you know that they did a study of over 40,000 people and the effect that reading God's word had on their lives? And when these people read at least every other day, if not every day, this is what happened. So out of these 40,000 people, when people read God's word, loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues by 32%. Alcoholism drops by 57%. And pornography addiction drops by 61%. God's word changes things. Those aren't just numbers. Those are transformed lives. You can be set up by God through his word. There's another study about prayer. Prayer is the second way that God can set you 
up. For all of the married people in this room, you might have heard the statistic that over 50% of marriages end in divorce. But get this, couples that pray once a day together, couples that pray every single day, guess what the divorce rate is for those couples? 1%. This is a miraculous stat that shows the miraculous nature of prayer. And can I just speak to the husbands and wives in the room? It's really tough to gossip about your spouse if you're praying for them. It's really tough to fight with your spouse if you're praying for them. Imagine the difference it can make in your marriage if you decide to pray for your spouse, for the single people in the room, for the grandparents, for the kids, the teens. Imagine what God can do in your life if you become a person of prayer. The third thing is this, discipleship. How does God want to work in your life? I would highly encourage you to look into what does it look like for you to take it to the next level in your discipleship to Jesus. I know for me personally that I wouldn't be the man who I am today if it weren't for the guys that I had around me, the small group, the Bible studies that have poured into me and have allowed me to be the man of God that God wants me to be. And the fourth thing is this, I'm just gonna leave a blank because I want you to ask yourself right now and even go ahead in prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do? What's that thing that the Holy Spirit even right now is highlighting in your life? Maybe an area that you're compromising in. Maybe it's an area where you're not quite focused enough on what he wants for you. Whatever that is, how are you going to be set up and how are you going to fulfill what God wants in your life? And maybe for some of you, you're a little bit like my friend Michael. Maybe for some of you, it looks like saying, I've been straying away from Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you say, man, today is my day to either commit my life to Jesus or to recommit my life to Jesus. And if that's you, in a moment here, I'm gonna pray. And at the very beginning, I'm gonna pray what we might call a salvation prayer. And as I do that, I, pray, I, I would pray and encourage you to pray that along with me and accept the free gift of grace that God has for you. So no matter what kind of demographic you fit into, no matter what your action point is, pray this with me. Let's talk to God. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the incredibly powerful way that you get to work in our lives. And Lord, for everybody that wants to make that decision for Jesus, God, allow them to pray this with me. Father God, I've messed up. I've sinned. I'm broken. But Jesus, I come before you and ask for forgiveness. I ask that I would turn from my old ways and walk in your perfect way, Jesus. God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. But Lord, I commit the rest of my life to you. God, I love you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, for everybody who is listening to this, I'd encourage you, whatever your action point is, there's going to be just a picture that comes up on the screen right now about how you can get connected here at Crosspoint. And I believe that God is going to do an incredible work in you. And I would just encourage you as well that you can reach out to the staff, you can reach out to the church, you can make that decision, whatever it could be. And I believe that God is going to do a work through his word. So, so Crosspoint, go and make a difference in your community today. Thank you.